Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Hello and welcome to the Become Your Best podcast and webinar series. I'm Lauren Sweeney, the Vice President and your host today of our podcast. We're excited that you've joined us today and we want to let you know that we're here to support you in becoming your best. Our guest today is Liam Martin and we're excited to talk about all things related to being effective in this online and remote or hybrid world. We're going to talk about his brand new book and that he runs one of the most popular Time Top brands today called Time Doctor. He's also a co-organizer of the world's largest remote work conference called Running Remote, so apropos for the times we're living in. Whenever possible, Liam encourages others to work remotely and actively promotes remote work. His products and services are defined by the concept of giving people today flexibility, which I know we are all looking for. He's co-authored the book, Running Remote, which is focused on his methodology. And he helps both leaders and entrepreneurs across the globe harness the mindset to be hassle-free, have a seamless life, and live in a cost-effective manner. Well, Liam, we're excited to welcome you to the podcast today. Welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Excited to be here. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, were you doing this work before the pandemic as well? I indeed was. I tell everybody that I was doing it before it was cool. I've done it for almost 20 years. I've never actually worked in an office, which I think is pretty weird to quite a lot of people that are watching or listening right now. And um, I would never want to go back to the office. I actually researched it a lot for the book and it looks like a pretty unhappy place. (laughs) You are unique in that you've been doing this for about 20 years. It really has only become cool, I believe, in in the last few years when we really were forced to stay home and and all those challenges there. And I think it seemed cool in the beginning, but as people got into it, now really people do need support, right? They need coaching and mentoring and guidance, and that's exactly what you do. So talk to me about some of the key struggles that you see people have when they're work, either, whether they're an entrepreneur, CEO of a large company, or someone on a team, what are some things that you love to teach people, some hacks, if you will, about working remote? Well, first off, you're absolutely right about remote completely exploding over the last couple of years. In February yeah. of 2020, 4% of the U.S. workforce was working remotely. And by March, that was 45% of the U.S. workforce. And that number has actually only dropped down to about 30% with 10% of those people inside of that 30% saying they're working from home due to the pandemic. So 90% of those people are choosing to be able to work remotely. And this is really not going away. I think we're actually going to start to see these numbers go back up in the other direction very, very soon. So when I talk to companies about how they should build their remote or hybrid teams, a lot of the times they'll ask me questions like, should you be using Slack or Microsoft Teams or Zoom or something like StreamYard? And in reality, those are all the wrong questions. And they're so wrong in reality that they don't even know the right question to ask me, which is basically, 
you shouldn't be paying attention to the tools that you use. You should be looking at how you manage people remotely. That's the big differentiator. And that's what all of these remote pioneers that I researched in the book, Running Remote, got right. And they have a very specific methodology that they've used to be able to build and scale their companies to billion and decabillion dollar companies. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I, I love this quote once somebody said, you know, don't ask me as a successful entrepreneur what I do to your point of like, which should we use Slack or do we use Teams? But ask me how I think. The, mm. the leaders and what you've experienced, plus the data from collected from building your book, is how we think. How are we able to reach out and make sure that we're still mentoring? How are we able to still motivate ourselves as an entrepreneur working remotely? Mm -hmm. What are some of the common key things that you've seen from successful billionaires, successful entrepreneurs and founders of companies in the way that they think? Well, it's actually much simpler than that. There's only one thing that they do differently, which is what I'm calling asynchronous management which is the ability to be able to manage people without simultaneously interacting with them at the same time. So kind of think of like, I don't know how you how old you are, Lauren, but I remember back in the day when I used to watch Friends at Friday night at 8.30. And if I couldn't actually show up at 8.30, if I showed up at 8.45, I'd have to wait an entire year till the next episode of Friends to come out. That's really synchronous management and synchronous communication. If you're not there in the moment, you miss it. Netflix is like asynchronous communication and management. I can binge all the friends that I want. I can go through every single episode 10 times over if I'd like, because the information is available to me when I want to consume it, when it's most opportunistic to me. We've basically just deployed that from a company philosophy, which is there's no immediacy or requirement for any team member to be able to interact with someone else simultaneously. And this creates an environment where everyone has their own autonomous responsibilities, can, can really focus on deep work as opposed to going into eight hours of Zoom calls every day. I love that concept, that asynchronous ability so how does one do that and have it be used? So are we talking about just recordings that hopefully people go and use, which we know isn't very transformative? How do you then create it if it's not hands-on? Or do you create those open office hours or create that time to connect and, and talk about the tools? We actually connect asynchronously. So I know that this sounds like a very alien concept, but I have to tell you, the best and fastest growing companies that are in the technology space on planet Earth are using asynchronous management to be able to achieve ridiculous levels of growth inside of their organizations. They've recognized there's a magic little sociological number called the Dunbar number. I don't know if you've heard of Dunbar, but he's a really interesting sociology of work theorist. And he stated that between 100 and 150 employees is the maximum number in which you can directly interact with your team members. And so past that number, you really have to be able to build processes and systems to be able to overtake from that process. So what asynchronous organizations do is they really focus on how can I inspire and elevate team members without directly interacting with them? So we use things like We'll have inspiring Slack messages in our communication. We'll use project management systems for the vast majority of the way that we collaborate on things. We'll um, make inspiring videos that have huge production values. We actually have a full-time video editor that only works on internal 
videos for our community and we have an internal podcast so that people can get inspired that way, figuring out what's happening inside of the company. That's how we really get people engaged and excited about working in the company. And it works. Uh, we have an EMPS score, which is an employee net promoter score, basically a way of measuring the engagement of employees of 81. And the industry average for asynchronous companies is 70. And the industry average across the board is actually 36. So we're almost triple the average engagement level inside of our organizations because we give people the autonomy and freedom to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Mm -hmm. I, I love that, that culture and the values. Did you set out intentionally when you started your company? Hey, these are our values. This is how we're going to create it. And then did it evolve? Like I'm sure you didn't always have the internal podcast or the internal videographer. How did you get those ideas? And did you do it with kind of your board of directors or your, your council? Yeah. So every quarter we actually review our mission statement and our values as an organization. Our mission statement is that we're trying to empower the world's transition towards remote work. We have eight specific values uh, connected to the company and those can generally shift. Our mission has always remained the same, but those values shift dependent upon the situation that uh, we're particularly in. We've actually removed some values from that document, and then we've put them back two or three years later because we realized that they were absolutely critical to who we are as a company. And that's actually how we measure all of the new people that we bring on. So if they don't actually align to that, then we don't even look at the resumes as an example. There's a big movement, which is the culture fit first job interview. So we literally just interview people for our culture as opposed to whether or not they're qualified for the job. Mm, I love that. We talked to so many individual CEOs across the globe and they usually miss that step. It's all about what are your technical skills? Let's talk about those hard skills. And they miss the culture fit and the soft skills. And then of course they they're not a good fit later on or we, they don't retain that great talent. I can give you a perfect example. Yeah. I was hiring for a VP of sales. And when I get down to those meetings, it's the last round of meetings before we choose somebody. And this guy was perfectly qualified, but then he admitted to me that he doesn't really think that remote work is going to uh, be as successful as we think it's going to be. And that's absolutely fine. That's, that's totally cool for him to have those views. But I stopped him right there and I said, well, then obviously you shouldn't be working here because we're drinking the Kool-Aid connected to remote work. We are obviously biased that we think that this is going to be the way that people work in the future. So it's really important to be able to align your team members like that. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to put in a whole bunch of energy and not get what you need back. A hundred percent, especially for a VP of sales, right? Because people can tell if you're not in alignment with the brand. Mm -hmm. Talk to me, Liam, if somebody's listening and they are an entrepreneur, let's say that they're a smaller company and they're having a hard time being motivated on their own or being motivated at home, et cetera. How do you support them in overcoming that? I think one of the biggest things that you have to look at is the psychometric triggers and flags inside of remote workers people that are very successful working remotely and people that aren't as successful working remotely. The biggest indicator of success is introversion actually for remote team members. So people that are extroverted, I'm assuming you probably are based off of the conversations that we've had, they need other avenues in order to be able to get that 
that communication, that ability to communicate to others out. So what I suggest that people do is they have their home office. They also work at co-working spaces, coffee shops. Maybe they go into the office one to two days per week to really get that interaction effect. There's an assumption that you have to interact with the people that are in your office and that kind of becomes your social group. But I'm sure you've probably heard of arranged marriage. This is kind of like arranged friends. Um, the beauty of it is that you can go to a co-working space and you can actually get a completely separate social network that's connected to your work that has nothing to do with your specific work, which is just as engaging and can be just as rewarding. Absolutely. I love that. That analogy of actually intentionally seeing what you need. And you're right. I'm very extroverted in how I gain my energy. And so I will intentionally put myself even in a workout class or something unrelated to work somewhere where I can exchange energy. And I think that that goes back to knowing yourself. So you have to know what makes you tick? What do you need? If you're more introverted, you need to maybe carve out that time to be able to read or recharge. What do you think I, I think you're so set up for success and, and with the times today, and especially with your new book, what about the whole idea of burnout culture? Do you feel like working remote is going to support and really help individuals avoid some of that? Well, I think the cause of burnout culture isn't remote work. It's synchronous work. It's being on Zoom calls eight hours a day. That's what creates burnout. The ability to be constantly interrupted by other team members that you know, are really stopping you from achieving your work. I have a great quote from my friend, Chris Hurd, and he runs a company called First Base, and he calls synchronous office work as instantaneous gratification distraction factories where synchronous work makes it impossible to get stuff done. And I absolutely agree with him. Inside of asynchronous organizations, there is no immediacy. There is no, you must get this done at this point, or we must meet right now. It's allowing people to be able to pursue deep work. They know what their targets are, and they actually figure out how to get there. And this is really what I think is creating a lot of this burnout culture, a lot of this hustle culture. Another friend of mine talks about how we want to make sure that we're not turning working at home into living at work. And I absolutely agree with him. You need to be able to divide those spaces and asynchronous work is the best way to do it. Let's talk a little bit more about that. How do you think if let's say somebody is maybe more introverted, they don't feel the need to go to a co-working space or a Starbucks. So they're working at home. They really enjoy it. How do you recommend and they shut it off? You know, like for myself, I'll even just go take a walk if I'm home all day or, you know, intentionally schedule that workout class. So I have to leave the house. I have to stop working. Mm -hmm. But how do you recommend that we kind of like separate then if we are home all day? So the biggest thing that you want to do is divide your social space from your workspace. I thankfully have an office, which I'm sitting in right now, and it's attached to my bedroom. The door is closed. When the door is closed, people know I am at work. I, you have to literally call me to be able to bring me out of this office because I'm think of me as being at work in another city. It's that much of a difference. And when I leave this space, I leave all of my work equipment so I can only answer my email and answer instant messages and go on video calls on this computer that's in this office. And this computer stays in this office. So my iPad, my cell phone, that's stuff that I do for myself, for my social network. And I actually answer all of those 
requests, those pings on Facebook, on Twitter, all that kind of stuff out of this physical space. It's somewhat Pavlovian in the way that I do it, but it absolutely works if you have the discipline to be able to execute on it. Absolutely. I, I listened to a great podcast once and they really did talk about eating at your desk, doing, you know, try to do everything in the one space. Your brain doesn't know then how to separate. So even if somebody, you know, I also have an office at home, et cetera, but if somebody doesn't have that type of space, even if it's corners of a room, like this is the area maybe that I do my journaling and meditation in the morning. This is the area that I'm working. The computer stays there. You know, today, of course, we have laptops and everything's so portable and movable, but that intentionality and that discipline of in this space, this, when I'm sitting in that chair, that's when I'm working. That's when I have my, that brain on. And when I go out to the couch, I'm not working out there. That's when I'm relaxing, maybe reading, watching TV. Absolutely. And it's just however small you can create that space, just create it. Even if it's just a spot on the couch. When I first started, I didn't have an office or anything like that. I just had a spot on my couch and I actually had one of those like TV dinner little tables that I would set up. <laughs> yes, and yes. I knew whenever I set up that little TV dinner table, that that was my workspace and I was in work mode. Exactly. Yeah. For our brains. So let's talk about your book. It's called runningremote.com and literally launching uh, right here in August mm -hmm. uh, 2022. You'll be able to buy it at Amazon, all the great booksellers. And talk to me about what they'll find in that book. So they're really going to actually only focus on one core thing. My publisher um, said, hey, you know, it's got to make sure we've got to make sure that it's about remote work, but it's actually not. It's actually about asynchronous management, which is something that you can do in an office or outside of it. It's really up to you. This was just simply a strategy that was born out of people that have team members in 10, 20, 30, 40 different countries all over the world, and they couldn't actually effectively communicate to everyone synchronously, simultaneously. So they built a methodology, which I'm calling asynchronous management, in order to be able to manage these team members more effectively. Mm -hmm. Three core tenants, super simple, delivered over communication, democratized workflows, and detailed metrics. So the ability to be able to communicate in a way asynchronously that's effective so that instructions aren't just easy to understand, they're impossible to understand, democratized workflows, building process documentation inside of your organization. I know that that sounds really scary to a lot of people, but we have a methodology to do that that's very quick and easy. Literally in an afternoon, you can get 50% of that work done. And then the third one is detailed metrics. So inside of asynchronous organizations, we actually measure things much more precisely because the platform becomes the manager, not necessarily the individual. And this creates an environment where managers can really focus on the EQ components, what I call leadership, as opposed to figuring out what your numbers are and communicating that up the chain. Mm, I love that. We are huge at Rise Up For You about our emotional intelligence and supporting people with that. And the more self-awareness you have in self-management, especially in a remote environment, then I can reach out. And if I'm leading you, Liam, or I'm leading my team, then I can see, hey, what does he need? And it's not a cookie cutter either. You know, Liam really thrives on having this kind of autonomy and maybe Barbara needs this type of management. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Everybody's different. Yeah, I love that. Well, congratulations on the book. And we tell us any other resources that you want to point us to on how we can work with you, how people can find you. Of course, runningremote.com, uh, where you can also find the book, but any mm -hmm. other resources uh, that you'd like to share with us? 
I think the only other place that you should go check out is our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash running remote. If you can't afford a copy of the book or go to our conference that we run every year, that's a great resource. All of our talks are up there for free and it is probably the most complete library of information on how to build and scale remote teams. I love it. I, I love the branding of that as well, that they can go, they can gain content and then find out more about you and see if they want to work with you, et cetera. So we love to ask Liam kind of as a closing question, what does rise up for you mean to you? Oh boy. Uh, that's a bit of a difficult one. What it initially pulls into my mind is entrepreneurship is such a difficult thing to pursue. The success rate of entrepreneurship is under 5% long-term. And you really have to have this mindset of I'm going to achieve this, even though everyone disagrees with me and thinks that I'm, thinks that I'm not going to do it. And that's that concept of rising up above mm -hmm. everyone else's statements, negative comments, negative perceptions of just entrepreneurship and maybe just you as an individual and pushing yourself past that and hopefully aligning yourself with people that are really positive, podcasts like this, that you can really reinforce those positive feedback loops and hopefully achieve your dreams and be in an environment where you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want for as long as you want. I love that. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on all of your success and thank you for the impact that you're having on our business community globally, really. So thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with all of you today, whether you're a leader, an entrepreneur, an executive listening to our show. I hope that you gained some insight on really being an incredible leader in a, in a different type of way that maybe you've thought about before. We'd love to give you a gift today. Please go to riseupforyou.com slash success kit. And there you can download eight different videos and our worksheets and everything that you need to be confident, successful, and leaders. We will see you on our next podcast episode. And until then, rise up for you.